Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Cindy Pierce. She is the author of Sexploitation, Helping Kids Develop Healthy Sexuality in a Porn-Driven World. She's also the author of Sex, College, and Social Media, A Common Sense Guide to Navigating the Hookup Culture. She is a social sexuality educator, and she is also a comic storyteller who is pretty darn funny. She's got a great TED Talk. She speaks at schools across the country about the importance of consent and communication in sexual relationships. She educates parents. She educates teachers. She actually speaks with fraternities about sex and answers questions that young men have. She's here today to speak with us about how we can do a better job educating our own teenagers, what we need to be saying, what we need to be doing, what we need to be teaching, and what we can do if we have some catching up to do. Cindy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So I just watched your TED Talk, got these two books, really excited to uh, talk about sex and porn and pleasure and uh, nice. all these fun topics that, you know, parents parents uh, love talking to their kids about. Yeah, <laughs> I wish they loved it more. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into this area of passion and expertise of talking about sex? So I have tons of nieces and nephews. Two of them were going to college locally and they were in a fraternity and a sorority and I went to speak to those guys. And I, my assumption was, you know, these guys are young. They've got all the information they need because they're growing up with the internet. Totally. Like they're they, dialed. Anything they want to Google is right there. They're just so well-informed. Thought they were on it. And then... <laughs> I like the questions that started coming. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys don't know anything about pleasure. You really don't know much about sex. You're having tons of it with random people, totally drunk to survive it. Like, wow. So I just felt like, you know, I took with the first group of fraternity brothers, it was like an hour presentation and two hours of questions okay. from juniors and seniors. And I thought, okay, that's alarming. That's, and yeah. then, I, then I started going around to other groups and I realized, wow, the internet has so much to offer, but really hard to get to the good stuff. When you Google something about pleasure, you quickly, the porn, you know, porn yeah, industry has a way to right. everybody right to their material. So no one's getting to the good stuff, the important stuff. So that's, that's what got me spreading the news on these matters. And it started with college, then high school, then parents, now all kinds of people, all ages. I think, you know, 
with porn, they make so much money off of, you know, every click is worth so much to them that they, like you're saying, I guess, they just take over any searches out there or any conversation that's happening that's related to sex in any way, they dominate it somehow because they stand to benefit so much from getting your attention and from dominating the conversation. It's really, really hard for anybody with good information to compete with that because uh, there's not that much money in spreading good information. It's so true. as a parent, we're up against a really, really big machine. You had some numbers in your TED Talk and book about how huge the porn industry is like what are we dealing with here well it's it's bigger like i have no intention of stopping the porn industry because they <laughs> literally own the world right and they uh you know if you put like internet traffic amazon twitter and netflix all together the porn industry is bigger than that wow so i want to educate consumers to know and the thing is Young men, I mean, young people of all genders, but young men are the biggest consumers and of porn for obvious reasons, um, developmentally, you know, people say, well, you know, it's increasing for, for girls and non-conform, gender non-conforming kids. And, but boys are the dominant consumers of porn because they're going through puberty as teenagers and they have these phones that make it really easy to access. You know, they used to have to like set up camp when I first started, like the boys were like, yeah, you got to wait till your roommates got a class. You got your laptop, you got to get right. set up. Now kids have got a phone. They can scoot into any nook and cranny anywhere. Yeah. So masturbation is increased. Um, lubrication use isn't always used. You know, lubrication isn't always used because it's just anywhere and any and yeah, everywhere. They're, whatever's they're convenient. Yeah, right. And the porn industry, so Pornhub during COVID made all this stuff that costs money free. So wow. they really picked up a lot of consumers. That is so And young nice kids are stumbling into that. So nice. <laughs> what a did you say it's so nice of them? What a warm-hearted and kind organization oh, to just yeah open their doors like that. Yeah, just a gift to the world. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, young men don't complain about uh, you know people who are trying to talk to anyone about porn. They are desperate for answers. It's men in their forties, fifties, and sixties who grew up with magazines and the poor deers um, that are like, what are you trying to stop masturbation? I'm like, no, <laughs> masturbation is beautiful, healthy, and normal. But what's fueling it, you know, young men, I get into a fraternity, I get to the sports team, they're really concerned about their porn use, but they're just kind of riding it out till they figure it out. So they're very receptive. Yeah. And when they hear about the industry, how it's trying to manipulate them, they, uh, they, they're, they're concerned about that. Yeah, they want healthy relationships. I guess the next question is, what can we do? What kind of, you know, counter education, given that, you know, they're going to be stumbling across all of this online probably starting about age five or as soon as they can pick up a, a phone it's gonna happen so as a parent you know what age do you have to start with the counter education and what does it look like 
Okay, so there's two parts to that. One is the preemptive strike of sex education, and the second part is responding when your kid does stumble on porn. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, they won't tell you, but I think a lot of parents, the hardest thing is to have conversations with kids, and really sex education is the most important part. Talking between the ages of five and seven, talking to kids about sexuality, all kinds of sexuality, 99% of sex is for pleasure. So, you know, people aren't, we, we stick to this sex is for babies, but yeah. kids have, kids have parents with two moms, two dads, single parent. Um, so talking about sex is something adults do for pleasure. So really talking about, yes, it is about how babies are made, but really talking to them in that time. And the reason that is that changed when the internet really uh, took off that that the necessity is to right. get ahead of the internet and then talking about porn um, That's tricky talking about online safety and porn probably around nine years old because that's we're now hearing That's a common age of first exposure okay. when I wrote my book. It was 11. Now. We're hearing more nine yep. and so you want kids to be prepared and what it looks like is really being honest with them and saying you know, the porn industry has created, uh, you know, all these videos that um, aren't showing necessarily healthy sexuality, not respectful, not consensual, there's not much intimacy. And it's very confusing when you see that you think that's how sex is between adults. A lot of little kids think, oh my gosh, that's what my parents are doing. And it's yeah. uh, the most clicked on, the most easily accessible uh... porn. And the, therefore, the most viewed is often, particularly heterosexual porn, violent against women. The violence, like 88%, include verbal and physical violence, uh, a lot of choking, a lot of hitting. And people say, but what if that's your thing? I talk to so many young people who are willing to be tied up to a bed, being willing to be slapped, hit, uh, double, pe double penetrated, and they haven't even had an orgasm. I'm like, women. Figure out your pleasure zone before you're saddling up with, you know, swing from your trapeze, do what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, right. But first understand your pleasure. This is not about providing services. This is not about keeping up with friends. Yeah, so porn has changed right. the expectations of what kids or young people think is what's going to bring them pleasure or what's expected. Anyway, getting back to what that looks yeah. like for parents, talking to kids early a couple things happen. You get your kids, it's awkward for parents, yeah. but it gets your kid tenderized and used to you talking about awkward things. And right. it's so much easier to do that when they're five and seven than starting at like 12 and being like, so I missed the window, jumping yeah. in now. Let's make up for some lost time here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's, it's a preemptive strike yeah. and it's not one talk. People still talk about this, the talk. It's many talks over, over time, every couple months, checking in, taking opportunities, whether they, they will resist it yeah. most likely. Sure. But once they're used to, my kids just got you. They're like, you don't know what's going to come out of this one. She might just say anything. They, 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 just, they get used to that. it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it also means, I just want to say, parents need to be comfortable not knowing. Not knowing and, yeah. and, and being able to say, you know, I don't really know the answer to that question. Or we, I can figure that out. Or I, I, and to show that they're still learning.
it's vulnerable to put yourself there, I think. And, um, you know, uh, starting this conversation, you kind of know you're gonna, that's gonna probably happen at some point. Something awkward is going to come up and, you know, you're just stepping into, uh, and it strikes me also that it's one of those things that's so easy to put off until tomorrow, you know, that, you know what, actually I'll do that Friday when I talk about the th- other thing, cause that'll be really good. I'll do. And then if come Friday comes around, actually it's not really good because there's like something else going on. It's really busy, but you know what next Monday? Oh man, I am totally going to have that sex talk. We're going to be on it. And you just kind of keep like putting it off and putting it off and it kind of just minimizes like more and more and more in your right. consciousness or something. So I guess what's the antidote to that? Or is there, is there one? There is, it's practice. This takes practice. And so parents need to be, that's once again, admitting what you don't know, being a novice. Uh, One thing also parents worry about is often they're not having sex because they have little kids or they're not having much of it. So they feel like they're not equipped to have that conversation. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna have the talk and the kids are gonna say oh do you have sex and i'm gonna have to talk about my sex life and you don't, don't have to do you don't have to ah, yes. okay that's the thing you don't kids don't want to hear about your sex life sometimes a kid will ask but they really don't want to know that is such a good point <laughs> but little ones might sometimes our little ones when they were little ask some bizarre questions that threw oh, me off my sure. game oh yeah when they're five if you start talking about this when they're five Ooh, yeah. it's like you're gonna get some like whatever pops into their head is <laughs> yeah. right and you don't have to answer you can say you know that's something that's private between your dad and me and just keep it very general you know and with our kids we talked to it they did have parents with you know, two dads, two moms. So we talked about all kinds of sexuality that occurs and we talked about masturbation and, and you, you feel it out, you know, and each kid responds different. You can't predict their response, but there's also so many great resources, amaze.com. Some parents really are not equipped and that's when you recruit the auntie, um, the other parent, um, the these resources, there's so many great resources, amaze.com. There's great guides. Uh, Deborah Rothman's book, Talk to Me First, uh, Amy Lang. There's so many blogs and websites that will give you the script. Everyone wants an exact script, but here's the deal on a script. You can plan your game, but that kid will not respond how you expect. And you got to keep your game face on like, okay, that's, and I was, couldn't keep my game face on. So I'd be like, that's alarming. And I'm not really ready to answer that. And I think I was very honest with my kids, but I think I had the advantage of being the youngest of seven children and watching my parents be off their game and with all kinds of conversations and saw behind the curtain of all these adults that things aren't as smooth. So I'm very comfortable. That's the thing is parents need to step away from that all knowing perfect um, idea that they, they've got it figured out every answer and got it all. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Together. And, um, never messing. Yeah. So the, but it's, uh, the, the answer is, have these conversations early and often. And once they're 12 years old, there is no longer anything you don't talk about. People say, you know, oh, but 12 is so young. Once they're 12, they've seen so much. They've been exposed to so much. You let it rip. Okay. But, but nine is really, and talking about porn, you say this, you know, you really talk specifically about, you know, healthy sex is about 
intimacy, about communication, about equality. It's positive. It's about valuing the other person. And that's what's missing in porn. And you can talk about that. You won't see a lot of kissing. You won't see a lot of communication. The, orga- the female orgasms happen, like they're ejaculating across the room. They're screaming <laughs> pleasure. But like one after the other, like not acknowledging that it, pleasure, female pleasure is complicated. It, it takes time. It takes foreplay. It takes, um, you know, 75 to 85% of women don't have orgasms, penetration alone. So when you're seeing this like, anaconda-sized penis absolutely pounding this woman and she's screaming with pleasure. Like what's confusing is abuse, what we know is painful and abusive in real life, yet it's very confusing for a young person to see that right. look like pleasure Acting on a screen. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I would say gay porn, a lot of young gay men say to me, I think heterosexual men are creating gay porn. And that's actually true because the dynamic is very much... Um, a a top who is abusive and in control and a submissive bottom so that's also confusing and a lot of lgbtq kids say they learned about they couldn't talk openly about their identity they with anyone in their family and they weren't ready they were trying to figure out their either their sexual orientation or their gender identity and they went online to do that and that often led them to porn with the questions they had and you know, a lot of kids want to, they're trying to validate their, their orientation and um, validate their identity before they come out. So yeah. their exposure to porn, but a lot of those kids tell me, not only did I see porn, I also got to the good resources, sex, et cetera. Ah. You know, they get to these great, you know, go ask Alice, yep. all these great resources, scarletine, great stuff. So, okay, 12 years old is the age. I like that. That's the cutoff. So once they get there, everything is on the table. And uh, I wonder how that relates to language because so many words related to sex are seen as, you know, taboo and are, you know, bad words in our culture. So I guess do you just kind of recommend as long as they're being used in the context of talking about sex, pretty much any words are okay or. Yeah, I um, think kids are seeing those words in I wouldn't use like I there's no need to use them like parents who want to be like cool and hip. That's the kiss of death because by not caring that your kid thinks you're cool, not trying to be their friend is actually what gives you freedom and is a clear boundary. So I think you not using those words, but referring to those words or defining those words, they've seen them. They've yeah. heard them. Yeah. But probably without like really knowing what they mean or something like that. So yeah, I wonder if just like sort of being that explicit in some ways. Like Yeah, I think parents... It depends on the parent and how comfortable they are. You know, I think certainly that's where you can bring in um, like amaze.com for younger kids. There's so many videos that in five minutes and you just, you don't have to even sit with them. And then once they're 12, like some, one woman said to me, she was a mom of a kid who was about 16 and she realized she blew it. She was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had this conversation. Missed the boat. Totally. So she said to her kid, look, I blew it, missed the window. And what we're going to do, like, obviously you've, you've had guests talk about the car is a great place because you're facing forward. Even in the dark is better. But this, this yeah. woman did this. She said, 
I have information I need to give you. It's going to be painful. It's going to be awkward. We're going to sit on the couch. You're going to set your timer on your phone. We're going to face out and I'm just going to go. When your timer goes off, I cannot add any more. If you want to ask questions, you can, but I'm just going to, and, and the first three times the timer went off and the kid bolted. <laughs> <laughs> but the fourth time he stuck around and he said, wait a second, I have a question. So there it is. Ah. The evidence that you can tenderize your kid to get used to you saying awkward things. Yeah. And to admit like, okay, this is painful. Like, But it took right, that then. repetition. And after two yeah. times, uh, then the third time we still bolts out and then still sitting down again and not knowing what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, that's, that's some grit and perseverance, yeah. right? And I think kids put their hands up and say, I don't want to hear yeah. this, but the research is clear that teens want to know what, what their parents' values are and what their parents think. So when you see this, you got to remember they're also, they're putting their hand up, but they have the other hands kind of saying, but I do want to hear it. Yeah. I think that the kid always has kind of the both voices in their head uh, anyways. And so they already kind of you know, have the voice that's saying that's, oh, I probably should become more educated and, you know, uh, learn more about this. Uh, and the other one's like, ah, no, nah, whatever. I mean, it's all good. And so by just kind of joining that conversation that's already happening in their head, I think, you know, kind of jumping in on the side of, you know, no, we need to do this. You know, sometimes you just need to kind of uh, push a little bit and overpower. And uh, in the end, I think, uh, they already they already had that knowledge that they knew it was important and it was something they needed to do and they were just kind of resisting it you know and so it's like anything that you you know are glad afterwards like a hard workout that afterwards you're like glad your friend you know dragged you to it or got you up early in the morning and like brought you out there and like in the moment you might be like oh my gosh I hate you so much right now this is the worst you know but like once you're done with the whole thing and you take the shower and you're like eating breakfast and you're like ah wow we just did that thing uh you feel good you know yeah so I feel like it's the same kind of thing where you might have to just kind of be that be that annoying friend for a little while or whatever it is that's in that role of you know pushing them pushing them along through the awkwardness yeah, training training we're here with cindy pierce talking about sex and pleasure and we're not done yet here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show the first six weeks is called the red zone. That's yep. where the most sexual assaults are committed ah. because you have kids trying to fit in. If you're not talking to them about it right now, then your voice is just absent from that conversation. If I heard that hookup culture was so sexually fulfilling for all partners involved, if I heard that it was emotionally fulfilling, I, I wouldn't have to do this job. For girls understanding their pleasure zones, uh, I would go into that detail by 12. Wow. For sure. Oh, and 12 is the anything goes age. So yeah. I guess then it goes. So people say, but they're too young. And people always say, oh, but my daughter hasn't developed. She's not interested in this. You want the preemptive strike. Information is power. Okay. I was late to develop like physically and late to have sex, which is hilarious to anyone who knows me. Like, you know, three books about sex, like what's up with that? Um, but my siblings made sure the sex that I wasn't getting from my parents, they made sure I had early. Uh, right. And that was, that was really helpful to make right. sense. So even a kid who's not involved, not interested, even terrified, 
they're hearing stuff at school starting in sixth grade. Everything's going around on social media. Check this link out, check this out. And they're trying to make sense of it. And if you can answer those questions for a kid, it puts them at ease and they're, they're, they're less likely to keep pursuing it online and instead get the facts. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.